It's the Lord. Remain standing for prayer, if you would. Remain standing for prayer. So, you know, Brandon, sometimes, sometimes you guys are just too good. And, you know, it just makes me want to set everything else aside and just keep singing. Because just that good. Uh, but let me, uh, so let me, let me just mention, you know, I know we've got a worship night. We're, you're trying to plan coming up in January and, and, um, looking forward to that. So I won't set everything else aside. Just, you know, just keep singing. But if, but, you know, one thing, because I know you guys do exactly what I tell you to do. And like the drummer, he, he's playing just the way I showed him. And that's why he's so good. And, um, so, uh, you know, that song, I think I want to shout. I, I, I mean, I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just thinking it needs to be in the set list. Yes, sir. Worship night. I don't know if it even needs to lead off the night or not. I'll let that, I'll let that be your decision. Because I don't know, once we start shouting, we may not be able to stop. So I, I'll just let that be up to you. But I'm just saying. And um, you thank God for a Thanksgiving that is more hopeful than it was a year ago. Now, I do, I do recognize that at the same time, there are people who are not here this year who were with us a year ago. And that's going to impact all of our holidays, which is exactly, you know, I praise the Lord for what Brandon said about, you know, be cognizant of the fact. Uh, there, you know, there's going to be people really hurting. We're trying to do that with what we're doing on the, on the uh, um, tonight and getting getting meals ready and things like that. So if you can be here to help us put those together. Um, at the same time tonight, I'm going to be up in the mezzanine up here. Uh, Tom and I both taught at a missions conference via Zoom yesterday. And then I will be preaching, uh, closing out preaching tonight at basically the same time that everybody else is down here working. Uh, so you'll be praying for that, be praying for me, be praying for uh, all the technology that has to take place. So doing it via Zoom, and you know, I'm looking up at the screen, and there's like 25 separate connections. And then I look, and I discover it's only, it is only page one of eight. You know, it's only screen one of eight screens with 25 each. So that's 200, but now most of those screens were not an individual. They were actually a, at least a couple, sometimes families, and several of them churches. So several churches throughout Mexico and other places in Latin America. And so a church would just, you know, that was just their service. That's their missions conference. And people come together and they, you know, put out tables and chairs and they're, they're, they're watching that conference. So I don't know how many hundreds of people, that, uh, you know, were able to do that uh, with. So be praying for me tonight uh, as we do that. And I'll be praying for you. So let's go ahead and bump elbows with your neighbor. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we come before you today, Lord, on this Sunday before Thanksgiving, a time when many of us will get so full, uh, we'll get so full on Thursday with food and dessert and everything else. Lord, what a great time to talk about the filling of the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, this time this year, Lord, with the losses of the last year and yet the hopefulness of what we have now, this is the time we need to be Spirit-filled both for the holidays and as, as we go into the new year. So, Father, I pray that for every person today. Pray that you'd, you'd give me clarity of expression and, and, and everyone in here clarity of, of mind and thought. Lord, let the Word of God do the work. I pray that the Holy Spirit would speak and be our teacher. For we ask it in Jesus' precious name. 
Amen. Thank you. You may be seated in the Lord's presence. Uh, As you're turning to Ephesians 5, one of the items I want to draw your attention to is in your handout today, and it is a survey entitled, Do You Need Financial Peace? And if you don't right now, you will after Christmas. I'm just saying, all the credit card bills start hitting. So, um, almost every year since I've been here, we've offered Financial Peace University, which is Dave Ramsey's material. It's biblically based. You know, people start off, it's like eight or ten week course, and they'll start off, and the class as a whole will have like half a million dollars of debt. And even by the end of the class, that's paid down and paid down. And, you know, now it's only like 300000 Now everybody has a plan on how, you know, how they're going to address that and, and uh, do everything God wants them to do. So it's really good. Um, I think when we started off, it cost like $100 to take the course and we paid half. We said, look, well, you know, this church is in this for you and we will pay half. You just pay 50. So we did that this last year because of the pandemic. Well, we just paid it all. And if you were able to do it, then uh, it, it was at no cost to you. And I will say we are willing to do that again this next year, but we need to know if it's going to be worth it to us to get that type of arrangement with uh, FPU and with Dave Ramsey. So if, if you would more or less commit and say, yeah, I want to take financial peace sometime this next year, please fill this out. You can drop it in our offering box right there on the, on the wall by the uh, door as you exit. There's another one out in the lobby. Uh, put it in there for us and also let us know what time of the year and whether you'd like a, a Sunday night time frame or a Wednesday night time frame. And that will help us make some other planning decisions and get everything together. So I appreciate that. You know, once upon a time in a galaxy far, far away, there was this rebellion by Satan. And the devil was able, apparently, to get a third of the angels to follow him. Now, we know from what we looked at in the book of Revelation a few months ago that during the tribulation, his tail is going to sweep and cast down to earth a third of those angels out of heaven, just, just like he was cast out of the third heaven, out of God's throne. And he, I think he's able to do that because those stars belong to him. But among those fallen ones are the highest form of created being. And these are direct creations from God. And in the Old Testament, they are called the sons of God. They appear a couple of um, times, rather uh, infamous or momentous, both in Genesis 6 and also Job chapters 1 and 2. And so they operate as God's representatives or originally did throughout the universe over the worlds that he had made. Uh, And that would look like that was thwarted by the rebellion of Satan, but God's purpose can never be thwarted, no matter who rebels. And so down through cosmic history, God has brought you to this spot right now where he offers the gospel. And if you receive Jesus today, I want you to look at this, John chapter 1, verse 12, on your handout. But as many as received Christ... To them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So when you trust Jesus for eternal life, God changes your spiritual destiny and God changes your ultimate eternal family because you were born into a fallen family, the family of Adam's fallen race. 
But now you're born again by the Spirit of God into the family of God. And that makes you one of the replacement sons of God. But that's not all. When you look up at the night sky at night and you can't see anything because there's too much light pollution. Well, then if you go to some place like New Mexico or out in the desert, you look up at the night sky at night and you see this carpet of stars. You are looking at the place that God is preparing us to rule and reign with Christ for eternity. As a matter of fact, look at 1 Corinthians 15 on your handout. The Apostle Paul even tells us, of verse 41, there's one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars. For one star differeth from another star in glory, so also is the resurrection of the dead. When you get your glorified body, the one which brings you from being made a little lower than the angels to being higher than the angels, then we will differ from each other in capacity for glory, for rulership, and for power. So this is my thesis for today's study. What you are determining right now in this life, since you got saved, is your position in glory. You're determining your position in glory ever since the moment you got saved. And you know what I believe? I believe that not only is there a specific number of Gentiles who will be saved, and that when the fullness of the Gentiles has come in, then the rapture of the church can take place. Not only that, but I think that will be the exact number of the sons of God who were lost, And I also think that we will discover when we get there that even the rank and order has allowed each individual to be an exact replacement in glory. But since the rapture's not taken place yet, then you have an opportunity in this life to change your position in glory by how much you grow in Christ. So the purpose for being filled with the Holy Spirit is so that God becomes the dominating factor, the dominating influencer in your life so that you are conformed more and more to the image of Jesus and God restores his lost image in you. So only when the Holy Spirit operates in the right way in your life do you have an abundant, victorious overcoming Christian life. So the importance of today's message is for you to understand this. It's our first point for study. The more consistently you are filled with the Holy Spirit, the more you manifest Christ, and the faster you grow in your spiritual life, and the less you are filled, then the more you are held back by the flesh. So you need to go for the glory by being filled with the Holy Ghost. Do not let anyone from any age of church history pass you by for the brightness and the factor of power which you can have as a son of God in eternity. Which means, and this is our second point for study, the absence of spirit filling meets spiritual defeat and ultimately, eventually, results in spiritual disaster. Because the Christian life is a supernatural life. That's why it is impossible for you to live it on your own. That is a fundamental factor of the Christian faith. Watch, you can do nothing apart from Christ, John 15, 5, 
And yet, you can do all things through Christ, Philippians 4.13. So whatever you ought to do that you want to do, you will not be able to do without a supernatural spiritual helper. Now, God knew the impossibility of the Christian life, so Jesus sent another helper, like he was, whom he calls the Comforter, or the Holy Ghost. When God saved you, he gave you an agent on the inside who has strength to uphold the outside. That is why he's called the Holy Ghost several places in a King James Bible. Why? Because he's the Holy Spirit on the inside taking on the shape of your human body in order to overcome your fallen flesh. When you get saved, you don't lose the flesh. Until you die, you're not done with the flesh, either your death or the rapture. And that is why you may still have some of the same problems now that you had before you got saved. But the difference is, for one thing, your conscience is smitten now, and you mourn over your sins now. And you didn't used to do that before you got saved. But this is why some Christians can be as wicked as any unbeliever. They quench the Holy Spirit and they sear their own conscience. So God knows we need supernatural help in order to correct that. So watch Romans 7 on your handout. Romans 7.18. For I know that in me, Paul says, now not, not the me me that is the soul of me, so not, not soul me, but, but in me that is in my flesh, the flesh me, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me in my soul, but how to perform that which is good in my body, I find not. I mean, you tried to change before you got saved, and the only successes you had were the ones that the devil allowed you. So the only thing that makes you more powerful now is who you have on the inside. And now it's not a matter of just taking what Satan will give you. It is a matter of taking back everything that God has for you. So God gives every believer the Holy Ghost to provide that enablement through his endowment so that we can overcome the sin that so easily besets us. We live in the flesh, but we want to stop walking after the flesh. And that is the premise behind the promise of the filling of the Holy Spirit. So this is our third point for study. The filling of the Spirit allows you to be an overcomer in this life so that you will be prepared for a higher place in glory as a son of God in the resurrection. Now you're ready. Look with me at Ephesians 5 verse 17. Wherefore, be ye not unwise. How how are you going to stop being unwise? By understanding what the will of the Lord is. Well, what what is God's will for my life? Verse 18, well, be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And you know what? Nothing has changed In 20 centuries, I mean, same thing Paul was dealing with and writing about here in the first century is true in the 21st century. We are a nation of addicts. Almost 20 million American adults are addicted to illegal drugs. Over 2 million are addicted to prescription drugs. Substance abuse leads to mental health disorder 
for eight and a half million people. There are half a million compulsive gamblers, and 41 million Americans are addicted to sugar. Hello, somebody. And yet it is those dependencies, those cravings in this life which teach you what and how to be spirit-filled. God wants you to become codependent on Him. God wants you to crave His Word. So today, I want you to understand the process. So let me exegete verse 18. These are biblical observations on the Spirit-filled life. Number one... This is a command, not a request. That means it's imperative. For you, it is imperative. And he tells you how to be filled. You know, some things are God's job, and uh, some things you don't need to pray about because they're your job. And when it comes to your will, yielding to God's will, okay, that's your job. Under causes of addiction... The American Addiction Center says genetics accounts for 40 to 60% of a person's risk of addiction. But the operative word there is the word risk. Because your free will, your decisions, your choices account for 100% of addiction. I'm just saying. It can't happen if it doesn't start. And it starts because of your choices, not your genes. So if you're going to stop being foolish and unwise. If you're going to make the most of your life in Christ, if you are going to experience the will of God and the power of God to fulfill His will, then you've got to learn to be filled with the Spirit. And I think I put this on your handout because to be filled means to cram because it gives you more than you need. I mean, I did an, exege- I did an exegetical uh, uh, examination of this word And it means to level up because it fills in the valleys and brings you balance. It means to furnish because of what it gives you is tools. It it means to finish because it brings you to the actual completion of a task. It means to infuse because it influences the circumstances of your life. It means to satisfy because it fulfills you and doesn't just fill you up. Christianity is exhilarating. Christ is stimulating. The Bible is thrilling. When you get filled, you can accomplish everything God desires. Next, and this is number two, there's no command to be baptized in the Spirit because that's God's job and not yours. So just like there's no command to be indwelt by the Spirit, I mean, when you received Christ, that was receiving the Holy Spirit. So there's no command to be indwelt by the Spirit. Those two things, indwelling and baptizing, are God's job. And they are accomplished by Christ the moment that you trust Him for eternal life. Okay, watch. 1 Corinthians 12. They're on your handout. Watch. Verse verse 13. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been made to drink into one spirit. Okay, think about, think about this with me for a second. Baptism and filling are really opposite in meaning because baptism is immersing you in something and filling is inserting something else inside of you. You were immersed into Christ's body 
by the Holy Spirit. You were baptized into his body by the Spirit. And at that same moment, you were made to drink of the Spirit. But is he still filling you now? Is he filling you now? See, baptism was God's job. Being filled, staying filled, is your responsibility. Are you drinking into what you were baptized by? See, this is the only way that you can experience the influence of the Holy Spirit in your life. So I've got here a sealed jar, a sealed glass full of half full of water. Now, if I were to have up here on the platform with me Bunsen burner or blowtorch or something else that you would not trust me with, I could heat up the water in this container, which is sealed, and the steam would make the water fill this container. And then the whole container would be filled with water. Now, because it is sealed and it's sealed on tighter, you know, when you got saved, the Holy Spirit got sealed inside and God sealed it so tight, your grandma can't get it open. So you are filled until, until that water, which is a picture of the water of life, the Holy Spirit, fills your vessel and causes you to have water spurred out, living water spurred out. Because we are not reservoirs, we are rivers. We have to overflow. So blessings have to flow out of you through your walk with Christ, through ministry to others, because that is your practical obedience to the word. Therefore, this is number three. The word ye in verse 17 is the plural form of the word you, which means you all. Therefore, this applies to everyone. In verse 17, Paul makes verse 18 apply to every believer. And the filling of the Spirit does not belong to some elite group of overcomers. I mean, it doesn't belong to people who have discovered some deeper Christian life. And yet this is what differentiates you from being a victorious Christian or a defeated Christian. Number four, not only is it plural, it's also passive. So actually, this is something that is done to you as, as you fulfill the one condition. What is the one condition? Well, let me give you, let me, let me illustrate this irrefutable idea. People do not get drunk by looking at bum wine. What's the word? Thunderbird. How's it sold? Good and cold. What's the jive? Bird's alive. What's the price? 30 twice. But you only get drunk by drinking it. Now, I realize that this picture, you know, the picture on the PowerPoint has more than just Thunderbird. I wanted to make sure that I included your brand as well. (laughs) But the more you drink that drink, the drunker you get. Because the intoxicating factor of the alcohol is now filling your bloodstream. So you are active in drinking, but you are passive in the process of being drunkified. I mean, that is why we call hard liquor spirits. You don't have to do anything to initiate or trigger the drunkenness except drink and get infused and under the influence. So this is our fourth point for study. Filling is something you allow the Holy Spirit to be. 
as you bring more of a certain thing inside you. And you must be filled because you cannot fill yourself. So the Holy Spirit stands ready to infuse your lifeblood. Now, I will get to the one condition and the one thing you've got to break in, bring inside in just a moment. But in the final exegesis, this is number five, not only is being filled a command, it is continuous. So that means you do it one time, but it's not perpetual. You've got to keep doing it again. I mean, just like you have to keep drinking in order to stay drunk, be filled, go on being filled, and then fill up again. There is one baptism, but there should be constant filling. Since it is not perpetual, it is not one and done, like baptism and indwelling of the Holy Spirit is, you've got to be intentional about making it continual. Now, even just setting Thanksgiving aside this week, Some of you will eat a big meal today because it's Sunday. As a matter of fact, you may start eating and eat all the way through the game. I mean, the game's going on. You don't even realize how much you're eating. And that may be the only meal that you need to have today. But come tomorrow, your stomach is going to start growling. So you do not fill up today and expect to stay filled tomorrow. Why? Because what you eat today is used up today. I know in some of our cases it's stored up today. But but in theory, what you eat today is used up today. What you get of the Holy Spirit today is like the manna in the wilderness. It has to be eaten and used up the same day you get it. Because here's our fifth point for study. The Old Testament picture of the New Testament Christian being filled with the Holy Spirit is the manna when they collected manna in the wilderness. I mean, everybody had to, had to gather his or her, her own manna for each day and get full. And they could, they could gather a lot or gather a little. They could read their Bible for an hour or for 10 minutes. And, you know, they could do any number of things with it. They could, uh, they could bake it. They could fry it. They could boil it. Okay, you could, you know, your relationship with the Word of God is unique to you. But you need to make sure that you continue to get filled because you're going to use it for energy as you go. That is the nature of your relationship with the Holy Ghost. Power is depleted by the fact and the act of your movement in ministry. God made it that way so that he could ensure that you always have to come back to him. You are always dependent upon him. We live in a world that depletes our filling. When you go against your conscience, that takes power from the Holy Ghost. I mean, there are power suckers. There are people who suck power out of you in your relationship with them. There's personal ministry that you should be having where you serve in the power of the Holy Spirit. I mean, that's what you do in Harvest Kids. That's what you do in Awana. That's what you do with the youth. That's what you do in our adult classes. That's what you do out on the lot or in the lobby or in the back booth. So if you're going to pursue anything in life and give it energy and attention and focus and concentration, you must be filled with the Spirit. And if you do not refill, 
You do not lose the presence of the Holy Spirit, but you lose the power of the Holy Spirit. You lose the evidence of his filling. Okay, watch. Look at Romans chapter 8. There on your handout, verse 5. For if they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. So if they put in their mind what the flesh is saying to them, the world, the flesh, and the devil. Uh, you know, if, they're, if, if they mind the things of the flesh, they're going to act like the flesh. But they that are after the Spirit, they mind the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So the reason you're not Spirit-filled is because you do not collect your manna every day. I mean, you do not concentrate on minding the Spirit by going back to Him to inform your thoughts through the Word of God and let the mind of Christ become your mind. So you are mindful, but not minding the Spirit. So let's talk about this word filled in relationship to your mind, because that is the key. Anything that takes complete possession of your mind is said to fill you. It fills it. And this word in Greek was taken to mean control in all of its applications. It means someone or something, some person or some attitude is controlling your actions. It's informing your actions. You are acting according to what you are thinking in your mind and your whole personality. Your mind, heart, and will are being controlled by this other influence or power or that thing that has convinced you. So you may be drunk on anger. You might be drunk with lust. I mean, this is where we get our excuse that we cannot help our actions because we get filled with something and it takes over our thinking, thereby ruling us and having its way. And you know, I think the shame is that in a lot of evangelicaldom and even Baptisthood, a lot of churches you could go to today, I mean, I mean, you passed up a lot of good ones. I'm thankful that you came to this one. But there are a lot that you could go to where the pastor or the church, they do not challenge you to some greater thing. And because they are not wise in understanding and challenging you to the greater thing that God has, then we all try and look for that greater thing that we want to be involved in. And that's our identity, and that's what we want to be about. See, this is why being filled with the Spirit is such a key to walking in victory. You've got to replace the wrong controlling factor with the right controlling factor. You've got to replace the works of the flesh with the fruit of the Spirit. So this is not about your sincerity. This is about your submission. This is about who you allow to control your mind, your thinking. I think it's a shame that, you know, some of us listen to more talk radio or podcasts than we, than we are in the Word of God. I'm just saying, I'm not legalistic type person, you know, that, that, that would say, oh, you need to throw your TV away or anything like that. But, but are you getting your manna or or? Or are you not being filled because in practical terms you are being starved? The Holy Spirit stands ready to take control. But unless your activity leads you to give him control, you will not have his power. 
verse 18, back in Ephesians 5, verse 18. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, you've got to understand that first phrase in order to comprehend how to apply the second phrase. Because the sin of not being filled is equivalent to the sin of being drunk. Now, don't, get, don't misunderstand this. You are complete in Christ. There is nothing missing in your life. So you were baptized in Christ and you were even made to drink. But you know what? You have that one stronghold of your own soul. And in your own soul, you got your own thoughts. Uh, you have an unfettered free will. You are able to think your own thing. Now, usually you're not even thinking your own thing. You're thinking what somebody else told you or what you saw someplace else, some video or something else, and you are not thinking according to the Word of God. But that is the place that has to be filled. And so you not being filled is equivalent to the sin of being drunk. You need to get the emptied Christian life so you can get to the filled Christian life. Baptized into his death. But you know, you need to be filled with his resurrection power. Because for us, the cross isn't just death. It's also resurrection. So what does Paul say the application of this is to our life this morning? You know, when we talk about spiritual things, a lot of times, uh, since they are invisible, it can kind of get fuzzy-wuzzy. And I think that is why Paul gives us a cross-reference companion passage in Colossians chapter 3. And what he says is that as you empty out your old thinking patterns and you yield your thoughts to the mind of the Spirit, he fills your life. Because the crowning act of faith for the believer is for you to submit to biblical authority to, to abdicate your reasoning to the mind of God, submit to biblical authority, let the word of God do the work. Get, but that only comes to you if you give up your own rationalization and your own justification, and, and you're, in essence, you are converted. So, this is our sixth point for study. The filling of the Holy Spirit is received when you consciously acknowledge the Holy Spirit as being in control of your thoughts. You read, you study, you apply, and you submit to the things in the Bible. So now you have the mind of Christ, and now you let that mind control. So let me prove this to you from the companion parallel passage, Colossians chapter 3, look at it on your handout, verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Now wait, because the very same things that are said to result from being filled with the word of Christ result from being filled with the Spirit. Watch Ephesians 5 verse 19. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, this is the way that the Holy Spirit is able to keep you surrendered. 
And the amount to which you submit your mind to his mind and your thinking to God's thoughts and your reasoning to the mind of Christ determines if you are being filled with the Holy Spirit. Doing the work of the Lord in the energy of the flesh, that only leads to disappointment and eventual failure. But the Spirit-filled believer, living the crucified life in relationship to the world, is the really only effective means to convince and convict the lost. So you're crucified to the world, and the world is crucified to you, but wait, what the cross does for the world is put it to death. But what the cross does for you is give you resurrection, resurrection life, the life of Christ on the inside. And that's all we need right now. I mean, the most dangerous point in the life of any believer is right after you decide to get saved or right after you decide to get discipled, you sign up for discipleship or right after you make some other decision to, to return back to God and stop backsliding and really get right with him. Because at that moment, the devil is going to do one of two things to you, and this is the devil's dangerous work. This is the most dangerous place in the experience of the child of God. It's in the matter of voluntarily submitting your own will to God's will, to do what God wants. Because, and you do what God wants because you see what God says. No one wants to have control of you more than Satan does. Other than God, nobody wants to have more control of you than Satan. So, number one, he will counterfeit the true work of the Holy Spirit with false manifestations and try and confuse you. And number two, he will capture your thoughts for himself and oppose you making your thoughts God's thoughts and you yielding your mind to the word of God. That's why we're a disciple-making church. Because if you never get rooted and grounded in the word of God, if you are not stabilized by believing the word, then none of the rest of your life is useful to God, and that destroys your purpose for eternity. Drunkenness always squanders. It always impoverishes. Excess wine always leads to loss of understanding, loss of judgment, loss of balance, loss of wisdom. But the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, and the King James word is, it quickens. And quickens means he brings back to life from the dead. He revives your soul. Your soul is made alive. Okay, that's great. You got a new birth. You're born again. But boy, you better keep feeding that baby. That baby may not totally die again, but it'll, it'll look like it's dead. So, so you've, got, you've got to let the Holy Spirit inform your intellect and revive your affections and, and bring back the sensitivity of your conscience. He quickens your personality with Christ-likeness, and as that is done, it cures you. I mean, it's the Holy Spirit who progressively remakes you after you get saved. And so this is our seventh point for study. When the Holy Spirit takes over. All your arguments for not changing evaporate. You know, a lot of times we say, well, that's just my personality. Okay, it is until you get drunk. Your personality changes when you get drunk. So when you're under God's control by being spirit-filled, he changes your personality. But Alan, you don't understand, this is how I was raised. 
Okay, go out and get drunk then. Well, but Alan, I'm so inconsistent. Okay, well then get drunk before you go out. Drunk in the spirit. Minding him, filled with him. That will change the way you are into the way you ought to be. So rather than spending time and energy and effort and money for psychotherapy trying to change yourself, you know what you ought to do? You ought to just ignore the problems for a while and spend time in the Word of God getting filled instead. You know, a lot of people drink away their problems, why don't you? A lot of people get drunk because they're in pain, emotional, physical, psychological. Okay, why don't you? Get drunk in the Spirit. I mean, it's the power of the Spirit which transforms life. But here's the dealio. He's got to be constantly taken into your mind from the Bible. You don't stay drunk if you don't keep drinking, and you do not stay spiritual without being Spirit-filled. The Bible is your manna to be filled on. Now, I know that, you know, some of you are going to come away Thursday after eating and watching Detroit lose, and I couldn't believe they actually, you know, didn't lose a game last week. Instead of being 0-8, they're now 0-8-1, and And so they didn't lose, but, you know, after you, you know, kind of go through all of that, you're going to have a little bit of a headache, and, you know, stomach's a little bit sour. You're going to go to the medicine cabinet, and you're going to get a couple of tablets out of some foil, and you're going to get these, these tablets, and you're going to want to take these tablets, and so what, so what you do is you take these tablets, and these tablets are power in concentrated form, and so you drop these two tablets into a glass of water, and as you drop them in this glass of water, then this miniature explosion takes place. And, and plop, plop, fizz, fizz, oh, what a relief it is. And, and you drop it in, and, and it goes to work kind of like a minor volcanic eruption. And now the power that was in the pill is now in the water. So the water in the glass is no longer just water anymore. I mean, it started out just ordinary tap water, but the reaction transforms it. And now that water can do things it could not do before because now it's filled with the effervescence of the tablets. And when you fill your stomach with this water, where you're filling it with empowered, infused water designed to fight the problems that you had. When you got saved, the Holy Spirit indwelt you and you got God concentrate in your soul. He is released by filling your mind with the effervescent power of His Word. He wants to possess your vessel in sanctification. So when you let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, his power now transforms the problems of your life. Your personality is expanded. You're happy instead of sad and joyful. You're congenial instead of always complaining. You're useful instead of, you know, you're actually attempting instead of just attending. You are living the most thrilling and exciting life that could ever be known, and it is produced 
by God's Holy Spirit. And nothing else and no one else can do these things for you and do them all at the same time. My time is up. I thank you for yours. Every head bowed, every eye closed. And I know all of us feel like sometimes the opposition is so great. I mean, it seems like we're just dragging bottom. I mean, I have felt like that for the last year. I don't know how you felt, but it's just like, oh man, we are just dragging bottom. And we all go through cycles, and even our church goes through cycles. But if we can get the filling right, we won't have to worry about our worship. I mean, some of you are gifted, and you're both talented and spiritually adept at ministering through music. Well, maybe you've not done it yet, or you've not done it here. But a spirit-filled church has the best song service of any church in the city. Because then the people who have the gifts come forward and they start using them. And there's just something about spirit-filled singing. You know, regardless any other problems are dealt with from Sunday to Sunday, you know, electronic, audio, or anything else, I mean, it's just like the Holy Spirit is there. And people are involved not because they have to, but because it's easy and it's natural and it is overflowing. And I'm just taking that as an easy and obvious example because it's the same one that Paul did. But when we get spirit-filled, we'll be able to take down the now hiring sign. I mean, every need we have as a church will be met and the offerings will take care of themselves and we don't have to sweat the finances as we try and make facilities facilitate ministry. And people will naturally step forward to teach our kids because they got a gift of organization and the Holy Spirit is filling them. So nothing gives them more joy than exercising that gift on behalf of what God is doing through this church. Man, this could be the day for you. Today you could walk out with the weight of sin lifted off your shoulders, with the burden gone, with the spell broken. But it involves a submission of your will. So if you are willing, I'm going to ask you to pray today. Because the man or woman who wants this has to ask God for it in faith. Galatians 3.14 says that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Go ahead and stand as we get ready to sing. I want you to claim that promise today because this whole Bible is written for you. I want you to just pray. Just pray with me today. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Just pray with me right now. Say, Jesus, I trust you today for eternal life. And trust doesn't mean that I just believe intellectually that I can have this or that you give it to me. Trust means I'm putting my total confidence in you. I know there's no way I get out of the grave without you. I know there's no way I get out of that casket without this prayer and this commitment I make today to you. So God, I believe on Jesus today for what you promised through him, which is everlasting life. And if you pray that today, come meet me or one of our altar counselors here at the front so that we can give you a book I've written on next steps in the Christian life.
And then, will you just pray with me that the filling would lead us to overflowing? And then that the overflowing would lead us to drawing other men and women into this fellowship of believers and into the fear of God with their own life. Let us just see a revival of the Word of God doing the work in our lives and in other people's lives who get saved. That is my prayer as we continue this series on the Holy Spirit. Next Sunday, we're going to be back in the book of Romans. We're going to see exactly how to live this supernatural life. Father, I thank you today. I thank you for the Word from your Word. I thank you that it's not like man's Word. Because this word has power. And, and, and Paul, you talked about the power of the gospel. Not being ashamed because there is power in that word. And Lord, we proclaimed it today. We know that it's working. We know it never returns void. It always produces some response. Either it's softening or it's hardening. I mean, if someone wants to trust you at softening their heart if there's someone who's obstinate then Lord it's a shame that that light hardens them and makes them more brittle so Father I pray I pray that we'll invite somebody else come with us next Sunday so they don't miss out on what we get here and Lord we pray you'd be with us especially this holiday open doors, open doors for us, for the gospel and for ministry to our families and to the lost. We ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Have a happy Thanksgiving. Praise team, sing us out.